Everybody, welcome back to the Be There in Five podcast. I am Kate Kennedy, owner founder of Be There in Five, and perhaps you were expecting the second edition of How I Built This, but we're going to do a quick intermission pop culture episode for today. And um, crap, I hear the song picking up. I'm not going to do this to you guys. I'm not a monster. Here you go. Enjoy. I finished crying in the instant that you left, and I can't remember where or when or how, and I'm back. I guess the thing is, there's never going to be a right time. Anytime I interrupt this song, you're going to be disappointed to hear my voice. It's like seven minutes long. Every time I hear this song, I'm amazed at how long it goes and how I could still keep singing it. It's so powerful. It was written by this guy named, I think, Jim Steinem, and he was saving it for a female vocalist, and Meatloaf like obsessively wanted to record it. But the songwriter, like, so desperately wanted to write for the white, right female that he took Meatloaf to court and was like, you cannot have this as a single. And I was like, damn, he knew what he had. You know what? Good for him. This song is so powerful, so brooding, so scary, yet so romantic. I believe the video, the, didn't the guy get in, like, a motorcycle crash? What? Was it in a thunderstorm? I couldn't I couldn't tell if those so- the sounds at the beginning were, like, wind and thunderstorms and stuff, which... I didn't, or if it was just like instrumental, I don't know. I didn't, I don't want to be like insensitive because the, the only reason I'm recording this podcast and not that the next part of how I built this is because I need somewhere to channel my nervous energy because I'm so nervous about this freaking hurricane. And uh, I, I pray that by the time this comes out, everyone on the Eastern seaboard is spared and everyone is safe. It's currently Tuesday afternoon, a cat four bordering on a cat five. Like, that is not a joke. That is so, so beyond serious. And uh, I I just, it's unprecedented in coastal North Carolina to have such a, a hurricane go so far inland. Well, everybody I love is in the mid-Atlantic, and my parents' house is on the water on the Carolina coast. It is our family's home, and uh, I I don't know. I just, I, I'm nervous, and I, and I don't, I'm... There's nothing I can do, but I just can't help but feel like extremely jittery and I just keep trying to distract myself because otherwise I just obsessively read the Twitter feeds of this think tank of meteorologists I've assembled as who I think are the experts and uh, might also explain why I stayed up all night providing meteorological updates on my Instagram and subsequently I'm sure had a ton of people unfollow me because nobody, and I mean nobody, comes to me for my my input on various atmospheric weather models for hurricane and tropical storm paths. But you know what? I'm going to give it to you anyway, because that's what this is all about. You don't ask for anything, and I shove it down your throat. <laughs> I, uh, I guess I can't help myself. Here's the thing. I talked about on my How I Built This. Um, my nature is very curious, and I think it is the coolest thing in the world that with the internet and the information we have access to around the clock, at any given moment, 
when we find ourselves in a creative lull, a sleepless night, with a spare moment, we have the ability to become somewhat literate in any topic under the sun. And I think I probably take it too far, but I'll have one simple question and then, you know, four hours later I emerge. And I don't know, a small part of me feels more validated than a night's sleep that I can enter any conversation being able to semi-intelligently talk about Gulf streams or atmospheric pressure. I mean, who doesn't want to talk about those things? I, um, I also really, I, I've been upset with like the weather channel and the local news stations and the sensationalization of this storm. Yes, people need to be spooked to the point of evacuation if they're in an evacuation zone. People need to prepare. People need to not be in denial. I hate when people are like, oh, the meteorologists were wrong when like the storm doesn't come. I'm like, shut your pie hole. You're not neck deep in water. Like, thank your lucky stars, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Like, let's lay off the meteorologists. And trust me, they're not my favorite people. I don't understand how your job can be so grounded and not needing to be right. But the thing is, when I looked more into it, I realized they actually are doing the best they can with the tools they have in modern technology. It's, uh, long story short, the conclusion was, you can predict path with a pretty close level of precision within under 50 miles of air uh, with less than 24 hours or 48 hours to landfall. But when you're predicting like the category classification of intensity, it's a true guessing game. And there's not a lot of meaningful data that shows we've improved in guessing the intensity. And as recent as 2016, when Hurricane Matthew came, they were 80 miles per hour off of the wind estimates. 80 miles per hour. Like that difference in, a, in, a, in wind speed is the difference between a tree falling on your house, a community shutting down, power lines going down, external and structural damage. Like big difference. But the thing is, they just it, they, they do the best they can with the models they have and the precedents they can base it off of. And it's just like, I don't know, it was really interesting to look more into and I think that also my reaction to like nerves or anxiety is to get as much information as I can. And even though the conclusion was like, there's literally nothing we can do. I also felt a little bit more at peace being like, you know what? You got to relinquish control. We can't play God here. Like evacuate, be safe. Things are just things. Let's prioritize our and our pets safety and uh, get the hell out of town. And, you know, I'm not currently living on the eastern seaboard, though I grew up there and hurricanes are very much part of uh, your dialogue when you grow up there and vacation there and school's canceled for weeks and your power's out for weeks. It's just hurricanes are a big deal. So I don't know. I guess that's my obsession, too. But anyway, I uh, I don't know what's going to is what's crazy is by the time this comes out, I don't know what's going to have happened. I might have to cut this whole segment. I just I uh, hope for any of you that are in its path that you are spared. I hope you are safe. I hope you are dry. I hope you are able to be at peace with the level of precaution you took and also be at peace with the level of control you must relinquish. As with any natural disaster, it's terrible and it's unfortunate. And all all we can hope for is that communities can come together and external resources can help people rebuild. But that's sad. Like, I'm not mad at the meteorologists for being wrong about hurricanes. I'm mad at the TV meteorologists for like wanting their, you know, time to shine. I can tell they've all put on their best to like Calvin Klein, business casual, boat neck, thin belted dress. This is their shining moment. They go on. They're like, 
So, Chet Judson, tell us, is everyone just absolutely horrified of this inevitable catastrophe that's going to induce the apocalypse? And then Chet Judson's, like, reporting live from, like, a small tide pool in Wilmington, and he's like, yeah, not a lot, like, going on now, but I did just see a crab washed ashore that was actually a plastic bag, and I got this really sweet windbreaker embroidered with the news station on it just in case bad weather hits. So tune in in two days when you're going to watch me get washed away by a storm surge and a confusingly dangerous broadcast of a place that people legally aren't supposed to be allowed to be staying anymore. And I'm just like, this is weird. All they they care about is like, tune back in. And this is so dangerous. But I'm like, well, you're there. And also, they keep all they talk about is freaking Walmart shelves. And I swear this hurricane is brought to you by Walmart. The the girl, uh, I call her Susan. She's on the Weather Channel. She drives me insane. She's just like... The National Enquirer in human weather girl form. And she's just like, so, Chet Jetson, like, are the shelves empty? Is everyone freaking out that there's no water or non-perishables? And then Chet Jetson's like, nah, actually, there's some stuff left. And she's like, oh, it must be because the private sector collaborated with the local communities to provide a surplus of non-perishables because the storm's going to be so bad, so catastrophic, so much destruction that there's too many canned goods. I'm like, girl, (sighs) shut up. I'm so frustrated by these people. They're just fear mongers. And like, I don't want to say you shouldn't be scared, but like the reality is these reports, the less precise systems update like four times a day. The most precise systems update twice a day. Anytime in between those, there are not updates. They are not telling you new news. They cannot, they do not have dynamic enough technology that can capture patterns and changes in real time that affect how they classify the storm. So they, they just are killing time and, and talking about nonsense. And I just, I don't know, it frustrates me so much. And the worst part is they're not like, at least what I've been watching, and I've been hate watching the Weather Channel, maybe like other, you know, CNN or something's doing better. But um, the, they're, they, they're talking about the evacuation zones, but they're not telling people where to go. Like, I'm on, you know, Twitter and Reddit, and they're like, okay, guys, the Atlanta Motor Speedway is open. And, like, you know, if you're going south, head here. If you're going west, head here. That is helpful information. On the Weather Channel, they're like, well, you know, the evacuation zones are landlocked by other high-risk zones that are probably going to be evacuation zones. So if you evacuate to an evacuation zone... Might as well just go into the sea and end it. And I, I, like, that's what I'm hearing. <laughs> like, where do we go? If they evacuate, like, well, like, I'm surrounded by potential evacuations. Like, but I'm also being told to go to these places that aren't. Yeah, I don't know, guys. Oh, I get stressed. I honestly, like, don't get worked up about anything ever unless it involves, like, the safety and well-being of my parents, siblings, nieces, nephews, husband, dog. Then my heart starts racing, and uh, I just look up a lot of information and get really mad at anybody that threatens my concept of uh, sanctity. So, anywho, 10 minutes in. I bet you guys were dying to hear that. Um, what's happening this week? Well, I did pick Celine Dion because it was my birthday last week. Um, and on Sunday. And the best part about my birthday this year is that, was that my sister lives here now. And... My sister and I obviously grew up in the same family, and the way we do birthdays, we've learned over life, is just not like everybody else. I don't want to say that growing up we were given mm, a parade. Perhaps the better word is hoopla. Perhaps the better word is uh, a day of strung together events that were met with a level of consistent attention that is difficult to walk away from as an adult. <laughs> so, like, 
we're the same in that we'll decide like, you know, I don't want to do anything. I'm cool. I don't really care. Like, let's just let it pass. It's an, not, it's an insignificant birthday. And then you get up to like the night before and then you're like, crap, maybe I want to do something. Then like no one's around and nothing's planned and every reservation's taken. And then you take it out on like your spouse or your friends or your family. And you're like, why didn't you plan anything? And they're like, cause you told me not to. And I'm like, don't you know I want you to steamroll me when I say that? I'm being humble. I'm being modest. I'm being kind. I'm being a cool wife. You tell me, no, 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 you are perfect. You you need to be swept off your feet. And, you know, that's crazy behavior because I, I, I when I deliberately tell somebody not to plan something. Because sometimes I just am like, eh, I don't really feel like making a thing. But then, like, so, the, when the day gets there, your emotion really changes. So instead of, you know, Kelly and I lashing out at people um, on our birthdays, we just decided, you know, let's a couple years ago, like, let's from here on out just like make each other special. And we'll have each we'll look forward to that. And not that my husband didn't, he's a doll. But you know, I, what I mean is my um, personality mood becomes a little bit like unpredictable, which isn't necessarily fair to him. He took me to a lovely brunch and we had a great time. And it was BYOB. I had a full three-quarter bottle of Prosecco accidentally around one and a napped for most of my birthday, which actually is kind of the way to spend it. But um, I, I'm so all over the place that I went from telling my sister we weren't doing anything. And I was like, actually, maybe we'll just go see Crazy Rich Asians. We never did. Maybe we'll just go get like a reflexology massage. Never did. Uh, went from casual to then she, take, she took me out Thursday night to a steak place. Uh, and then Saturday night, I made her go to six bars with me that I just wanted to like peek into in case guests come in town. <laughs> because when I hear of a new trendy dinner hotspot or something, I don't like to take out of towners there unless I've been there myself and can vouch for not the food, but the ambiance. I- I'm pretty flexible when it comes to food. I've always wanted to create a website that is a Yelp for great lighting. And just pretty much focus on places with adorable twinkle lights on the patio, with cozy corners, brick walls, nice booths, minimal banquettes. I, um, I really, you know, TM, be there in five, LLC, all rights reserved, 2018. But uh, this, this concept is not, you know, off the table for me because I think that the beyond food for me the atmosphere really dictates how much fun you have at the meal how your conversation flows and also that like you know the drinking part i i don't think there are any more profound conversations than when a great medium-bodied red wine is running through your veins but you know not everybody drinks and that's okay that's why we need that nice lighting and a cozy ambiance as a backup plan um what was i talking about oh so yeah i I then make her do Thursday, Saturday, keep her out late, and then go to karaoke on Saturday at my favorite place in my neighborhood. And then Sunday, she made me beef stroganoff and a key lime cheesecake (laughs) and brought me a bottle of wine that she flew home from Italy for my wedding with that was like a really nice bottle of Brunello, which in the States is very expensive. Brunello is the restoration hardware of red wines. It's like Within reach, but you just can't really picture yourself spending that much on it unless you're at a certain income level. That's how I feel about any product that's semi-luxury or like it's it's a it's a high-end market, but it's not quite luxury because there's a specific buyer who's gonna spend 20 grand on a cloud sofa that's like white and linen who also has kids and pets. And that's a very wealthy person who does not care about it getting destroyed or who who has somebody else scrubbing those cushions, I firmly believe. 
Because if 20000 is a lot for you, that's going in like the living room that nobody's allowed to touch if you're so lucky to have a spare room like that. And, uh, but for a person that's like loaded, loaded infinite resources, 20 grand is kind of like small potatoes and you're probably getting like a high end designer sofa. You know what I mean? So every time I'm in a restoration hardware, I, 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 I'm like, I'm looking around and I'm seeing who's in the checkout line and I'm just wondering if they're not buying a throw or a robe or a pair of slippers, which is the only thing I buy there. I'm just really wanting to know what people do and why, why they're choosing restoration hardware. There's just a lot of places you can get great furniture if money's not an object. And I don't know if Resto would be my first choice, but I do spend a lot of time at the Three Arts Cafe at the concept store in Chicago, and I'm obsessed with it. I love to work from the teen girls room, which that sounded weird now that I just said it, but they have example rooms set up of different, like they have baby rooms, they have teen rooms, they have like young adult rooms, and they have adult rooms, and they have modern, and they have outdoor, and it's just, it, it, all, these rooms are gorgeous, and you're allowed to sit, and you're allowed to drink alcohol, and like on your laptop. And so I love to work from this teen girls room that has like a big fur globe seat with like emoji pillows and a bunch of prints on the wall that are like, she is, <laughs> what is that quote? She, she may be but small, but she is fearless. She may be but little, but she is something. Uh, oh, um, she believed she could, so she did. That's what <laughs> Yikes, guys, this is, t- this is a rough but- PCAS, but... Hey, I'm distracted, are you? Um, I also love sitting in, like, the brooding, um, like, young boys room that, like, no middle school boy is going to be comfortable having that level of curation and, you know, cognac leather in their bedroom. And it's a bunch of Vince Lombardi quotes and uh, vintage boxing materials and uh, cross-stitch pillows with different, you know, manly vignettes that the adult designers at Restoration Hardware, I guess, perceive to be neutral enough to not be kitschy and kiddish. Because I think the people that decorate a room of a kid or a teen like this whose taste changes every two months are clearly trying to strong-arm the fact that they don't want, like, primary color kid-like Ninja Turtle stuff. So then the boys are just left with basically two hobbies— something to do with nautical rich people sailing or something music related. A lot of quotes about music, a lot of antique looking music players and instruments. I don't know. Long story short, my love hate with restoration hardware started when I, Greg and I were in the market for um, what looks like a Chesterfield sofa, which is that roll arm tufted sofa that with one of our places, we thought it really would go well. And we see it online and we're like, that's not terrible. We had gift cards. We're like, let's, yeah, like, we'll, we'll go try that sofa. We get there and it is a miniature Chesterfield sofa meant for children under 12. Our biggest splurge of our entire relationship was going to be on a sofa for somebody that is under basically four foot six because I um, was... I have long legs, and sitting on this sofa, my knees are closer to my chin than they are to the floor. So, you know, that was a tough pill to swallow, and it's a tougher pill knowing that some brat is sitting on that gorgeous leather sofa playing Fortnite and probably being rude to his parents. Ugh. Anyway, I'm not bitter. 
I'm I'm cool. I'm breezy. So much of this podcast, my irritation with people that have nice things that don't like seem to appreciate it or that I don't really understand how they got them. I don't want it to come across that way. I am so supportive of people's success. I love to gawk at beautiful interiors and homes and artfully curated lives of, of, of all people, wealthy or not. So I, I think that my, uh, the, the, my frustration comes in when my expectations are mismanaged and or the way it's presented to me feels a little uh, tone deaf or unrelatable. And as a you know, brand consultant, I just think that likability could be improved should a few key things be tweaked. Speaking of my favorite interior sharer, one Rachel Parcell, sweet girl, sweet mom, sweet kids, sweet Royal Caribbean comped vacation. Um, but she posted a photo of her old house that is like this stone French grandeur that I've never seen in like the States, <laughs> um, not in many of my subdivisions. And um, you know, a little reverse Google image search can tell you that that house that was the house that her family grew out of is nine bedrooms, nine bathrooms and sold for about $1.7 million. And I just want to remind you, she is a full-time blogger. So my opinions aside, regardless of how you imbibe their sentiment, it's safe to say she's laughing all the way to the bank and she's going to be fine. I just can't believe that her forever home is going to be even more extravagant than this. She has two kids and a husband. And that's like, I mean, that's, that's five extra bedrooms. That's a lot of bedrooms. I, I don't know. I, I, my guests still sleep on an air mattress. And now I'm starting to feel like that's kind of rude. But this is what we can't do. We can't let them win. We can't let the people whose lives look so amazing on social media make us feel bad about our less than stellar motel grade accommodations for our nearest and dearest friends in our homes. <laughs> um, so what is going on this week? I just saw a, a paparazzi shot or whatever of Dorit, what appears to be yelling at Denise Richards on the set of Real Housewives of Beverly Hills on her wedding day. And I'm just dying thinking of her being like, Denise, PK and I thought it was the right time, right before you walked down the aisle, to tell you that Phoenix was given a salad fork for her main course and Jagger is, is beside himself and I may have a swimwear line, Beverly Beach by Dorit, and I also care about having the right stemwear line. I don't think I should have to have the right flatwear line at your wedding. You give me fever. <laughs> she like gets on stage. That was the that that was whew, that was tough stuff last season. I I don't need to see non singers sing to their husband in an attempt to be a, a public display of sexy. Like we're good. And like Dorit is so beautiful. She has the most bulbous chest and a lovely face, an amazing sense of style, and an endearing accent. And does she really think she needs to seduce PK? I don't know. For the record, I know my accent or my um, impressions are god-awful, but, you know, it doesn't make them any less fun to try. And I also actually do really like her voice. It's incredibly hard to do a hybrid accent, which is why I kind of think she doesn't fake it, because it would take so much intention on her part. Because I listen to those tenses and inflections. If someone that's faking it has variation, she says things the same. I, and she speaks a lot of languages, and I don't want to take that from her. I, I, too, am a woman of the world with my muzzy tapes, and to that I say, je suis agent fille, as always. Um, but 
I I don't know why I think she's yelling about flatware. It just seems like something that she'd get mad about, given the entire storyline of last week was centered around stemware and showing up somewhere late. I just do. I really am not sure how I feel about Denise Richards meshing with those girls. But, you know, I'm excited. Lisa Rinna is back. I'm excited that the Baltimore Zoo has a polar bear named Amelia Gray now. One of you so kindly and astutely pointed out to me, and I thank you for that. Um, it's like a funny, like, I mean, you know, that's just not a name you hear every day. And I wonder if that polar bear is a fan of the Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. And if so, they should watch out because Lisa Vanderpump sees a photo of a tiny baby cub. Is that, God, I'm not, I can't do impressions. But anyways, when she sees a tiny baby cub, she'll want it for her collection, and she will fly it private to hang out with Hanky, Panky, Diamonds, Rosé, Pink Dog, oop, nope, R.I.P., sorry, Jiggy, who's been mysteriously missing from TV, big conspiracy, and uh, I don't know, there's another one that's been out more um, that I think has a better figure for Ken's outfits and I think it's getting uh, preferential preferential treatment over Jiggy who we know is you know been long suffering from alopecia anyway guys what else is happening this week did I explain why I had that Celine Dion song long story short right after midnight on my birthday when we were at my favorite neighborhood karaoke joint that I don't really sing at I just like to go because Instead of like late at night, I don't want to listen to like house EDM. I, I I need lyrics. I don't I don't want your mixed beats. I need top 40 songs from the past three decades that I want to sing at the top of my lungs, but we'll probably skip over in the light of day. I really that like that's why karaoke is, I think, fun to go to with friends, even if you don't sing, because the type of music is just stuff everybody knows and likes. And, um, you know, that's a sweeping generalization. And I do like a lot of more house-skewing music, but there's a time and a place. And, you know, there's some nights you just really want to hear like a prayer bouncing off the rafters, you know? Actually, I, always, I like that song, The Light of Day. I'll always like that song. But anyway, right after we got there, for the first time in my life, and I've been to a lot of karaoke places Somebody gets up and sings O-Town's All or Nothing. And if you listen to this podcast, as you know from the episode, O-Town Population Me, this is like my favorite boy band monster ballad of all time. And I just was like, you know, there's no coincidences. There are no coincidences. And to top that off, right before then, we were at another bar and I was asking somebody where the patio was. And this girl turns around and she goes, oh, my gosh, are you be there in five? I was like stunned. I, I, I mean, you know, I, I, it sounds so weird because it sounds like I'm bragging, but I'm telling you as like a normal person that like never really experiences that. It was like the weirdest, coolest thing to meet somebody who I don't know that follows me and knew who I was, not because of the fame factor, but because of like the engagement factor. And I was like so appreciative that they said something. And she was like, oh, I'm so sorry. Is that creepy? And I was like, creepy. Hello, creepy population of one. Like I, I, I have one joke and it is population related, as you've just noticed. And I also am the creepiest of the creeps. I, I know too much about people I've never met. And I appreciate that if you're one of my own, 
he would come up to me in a public place and uh she was like so sweet and i don't know it was just like a really like out of body experience i've had one time where i've had uh, people say they see me and haven't said hi which is a ridiculous i'm always 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 happy to meet somebody that is a customer is a fan of instagram or the podcast or whatever like that means the freaking world to me are you kidding me that's the thing. It's like, I get that there's a level of, of recognizability people might reach where they just, you know, need to live and need interactions to be rationed. And I know I jokingly talk about how much I value my anonymity, but the reality is like, th- th- there's, you call it thirsty, call it vain, call it whatever. They're, for person creating content, there's nothing more rewarding than having an engaged and caring audience that actually feels like you're a person that they know. I want you to feel like you know me. Otherwise, what the hell am I doing here? You do know me. You know more about me than my best friends do, many of who do not listen to this podcast, because this is a forum that I've uh, rambled and soul-searched within that... Uh, I reach parts of my memory and emotions that I don't access in a regular discourse because I haven't gone an hour into myself talking to see where that leads me. So anyway, long story short, it meant a lot to me. If you're out there, hi, I am not telling you that to sound cool. I'm telling you that to say say that like I'm honored to meet anybody that has taken their own spare time to participate in any venture that I have made. It it really is an honor for me. So as silly as that sounds is like an in-person bar, in-person passing moment at a bar. It, uh, it meant a lot to me and it was, um, really nice and funny that it was like, you know, my birthday bar crawl, bar crawl is me and my sister. We only had like three drinks we kept going to places, and if we didn't like the vibe or lighting or coziness, we'd just leave and wouldn't get a table. I just want to poke my head in. I don't think that's too crazy. Sometimes Yelp's photos just aren't adequate, because I always click on the index, then I click on inside. And, you know, oftentimes people mistag the food photos as being inside. Oftentimes, just the bar. I'm like, I need to see different seat types. Are, are they crammed? Again, are they banquettes? I really hate a banquette. Are there a lot of booths? Are... There are a lot of cozy nooks and corners that you can request, or is everything kind of like fair game crappy, but the food and experience overtakes the discomfort and crowdedness of the tables. These are things, you know, I have to know before I go into a restaurant that unless I survey it myself, it is just impossible. Anyway, can I mean, I'm just really letting out all my nervous energy. I, I don't know why I'm like really nervous about this like, hurricane. Um... And I have a lot to do. And I think like it's just distracting for me. And I don't I can't miss an update. And I feel like I, I don't know, guys. I just I don't know. Um pop culture news. I've been listening to NT's podcast on Patreon. It's who's the uh writer of blind items, the only ones that I really feel like are accurate and come true. And I'm having such a hard time gauging his intentions. Like I kind of almost liked him better when he was more of a mystery. And the fact that it's a paid format and they still are like, oh, and it's him and this guy, John Doe talking, who also runs a Twitter that talks a lot about blind items. Um, it's it's so insular. And they're like, oh, you know who I'm talking about? You know, that actress's roommate that had a relationship with that other girl who was pretending to be with that other person on that major TV franchise. I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. I, don't, I didn't come here to pay for you to talk in more vague terms. 
because those blind items are so hard to read anyway. And they take me like 10 minutes for each one just to decode. And so I don't really actually read them that often anymore. I, more often, if something happens, I'll go back and see if it was written about before just to re engage myself with him because i do think that sometimes it's interesting but i think that he's taken such a volume strategy and puts out so many every day that of people and old hollywood stuff that i'm not interested in that there's been a little bit of fatigue on my end but anyway the, the most upsetting piece of information i found out on uh nt's podcast is that ashley simpson was paid five hundred thousand dollars by a magazine for her baby pics of her kid with pete wentz that is most inflate. I mean, what? What? That 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 should send a shockwave through the economy. Uh, how? That, that, ex- riddle me the supply and demand of that whole situation. Like, even in her heyday with Jessica and after autobiography and whatever. But then, like, it would still post SNL lip syncing. I don't know, guys. She was on Watch What Happens Live, and she just giggled the whole time. I, 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 I don't know. She bothers me. And I don't want to speak ill about her. But, like, you've been in the industry a while. I'm sure you're a nice, fun girl. I just I get frustrated when people don't seem very media trained or articulate in how they talk about their work and their show. She's so nervous and giggly. And her husband, Evan Ross, Diana Ross's son, Tracy Ellis Ross's brother, barely speaks. He seems like a guy that would call music his craft. And um, I just, I don't know. I'm not here for that show. I'm not going to watch it. Mark my words. I'm, I, this is how I'm holding myself accountable. Very Cavallari, you know, was going to be a stretch for me, but then I ended up really liking it. Um, but I think I do draw the line at Ashley Simpson because nothing will ever beat her show in that tiny Calabasas apartment with, as I like to call him, Ryan Finger in a light socket Cabrera, while her sister Jessica lived in a multi-million dollar mansion down the road, sat on a pool float in a heartstring bikini, sipping from a colorful twirly straw while Nick just like took hornet's nests down from around the house. That show was glorious. I love newlyweds and you can find all the episodes on YouTube if you look hard enough. If you're having a bad day, if you, you want to tune out the world, just like put on newlyweds. It's so pure. And given at the time, I'm sure many of us were, were younger than Jessica or around her age, like especially now in retrospect, you can see how she was just way too young to be married. She was like 20 or 21, and uh, she just was so immature and so coddled by her parents. And it's before Joe Simpson was gay. It's before, you know, their parents got divorced, before Casey Cobb was with Donald Faison from Scrubs. Ugh, a real-time capsule. A real uh, who's who of uh, Louis Vuitton speedy bags and uh, just kind of that air of the uh, Swarovski crystal bedazzled Motorola razor Paris Hilton sidekick vibe that is just so pure and beautiful about the the mid early mid 2000s. I also was looking at a cover of Vanity Fair uh, that I put up, posted on our Facebook group. That's like my Last Supper. It's it's my perfect photo of like my my Mount Rushmore of teen icons from the early 2000s, and it has. Mary-Kate Nashley, uh, Amanda Bynes, uh, Hilary Duff, Mandy Moore, um, Lindsay Lohan, uh, Rory Gilmore, um, Raven, Simone, and, oh, God, there's one I can never remember. She was in that movie, 13. Is it Evan Rachel Wood? Rachel? Evan Rachel Wood. Is that right? I don't know. Don't quote me on that. Um, 
And it's kind of like they're in a fan, like, you know, they're kind of in a fan semi V almost like the housewives. And they have like a pecking order to quote <laughs> Sonia Morgan, Cindy Barshop era. Do you remember when they kept talking about the pecking order? Um, and you know how like one housewife will hold the apple, hold the orange or hold the diamond like in the middle and center out and everyone else has it in one hand. And it's kind of like, you know, that center housewife they consider to be the main event of that cast. And it kind of changes. They have Hillary Duff in the center, you know, apple holding position, which is interesting because out of all of these people, well, it's interesting how their careers has evolved. Because like Lindsay Lohan is off like in Mykonos. Raven Simone, is she on the talk or the view? Evan Rachel Wood couldn't tell you. Sorry. Rory Gilmore. You know, it was a while after... She was in Gilmore Girls. I mean, I'm calling her Rory Gilmore instead of her real name, Alexis Bledel, which is, I think is like an actor's nightmare to be typecasted. Um, she took some time off and then was in, had a small role in Sin City, uh, Mad Men, and then now, of course, is in Handmaid's Tale. So she kind of came back, actually. And I was going to say Hilary Duff feels the most relevant to me, but maybe that's because I've been watching a lot of younger and seeing a lot of her pregnancy photos on Daily Mail. And she also, I don't know, she kind of, from Lizzie McGuire to the Lizzie McGuire movie, which I consider to be one of the greats, to uh, uh, Sing to Me Paolo. <laughs> I love that movie. Um, to then going full singer, So Yesterday, singing Come Clean, the Laguna Beach theme song, um, uh, Metamorphosis, that album was fantastic, to then being a full actor, I don't know, I think she's kind of had, like, the right evolution, and she got married, and had a kid, and got divorced, and I don't know, she's just kind of had, like, a, a steady, nice Hollywood career with all the basics, but nothing too dramatic. Then M Mandy Moore is kind of, you know, in the Anne Hathaway of it all, where she started out, like, so bubblegum cheesy, and now is a full-on serious actress. Because she, uh, you know, I use the word bubblegum. She famously sang the song Candy in a skateboard park with a yellow VW beetle bug. And then, you know, graduated to songs like uh, I Want to Be With You, that breathy number from one of my favorite movies of all time that I cannot believe I've not talked about till now. Center Stage. Have I talked about it? Ugh, I love that movie. I can't get into that uh, another day. She's another songstress that got too breathy in her sophomore year, her sophomore album and beyond, much like Jessica Simpson. But yeah, now Mandy, you know, then Mandy goes to A Walk to Remember. Obviously, he has a beautiful hit song in that. She dyes her hair brown, and we start to take her more seriously as a brunette. Weirdly, she disappears for several years, marries Ryan Adams, divorces him, I think is now engaged to somebody else gets the role of a lifetime on This Is Us, and now, you know, she's a big actress. And all the while, the only thing I can think of is that this is not a spoiler, but if you want to pause the next 20 seconds, if you haven't seen This Is Us, I don't know if it's directionally a spoiler. When Mandy Moore's character, when something happens to someone close to her and she finds out the news at the hospital, am I the only one that noticed she was eating candy? Was that like a funny thing that like writers did to kind of, you know, circle her yellow VW buggy moment in the skate park 
back to one of her best acted, uh, brilliantly acted moments in her entertainment career. I think it was an Easter egg, and I choose to believe that, but no one else is really talking about it, so I said it here. Okay, you can turn it back now if you want, were worried about a spoiler. I, I don't think I spoiled anything, but, you know, trust me. It, well, the good thing about This Is Us is actually that it, it, it flip-flops um, years and, like, time periods so much. We, we, it's like they tell us the punchline, and then the journey becomes how did it happen, which is kind of brilliant. But yeah, that scene, if you haven't watched This Is Us, let's just say that scene is probably the least of your problems because you are in for a real ride. You're in for many days of deep, dark contemplation and a simultaneous feeling of wanting to be a child in your parents' arms, all also feeling called to have a family of your own because that show makes you feel like that's all that matters. Oof, it's intense. I, uh, I, I, I watch it sparingly. I'm, not, I'm just really, really not always in the mood to uh, take on one of the 46 major life events that show addresses at any given time. And I guess I can't really compare Mandy Moore to Anne Hathaway. She hasn't yet to win an award and to go up on the stage and saying, it came true. <laughs> that was so, so cringe-tastic, cringe sweats. Uh, poor Annie. I really think she's a nice girl. Mary-Kate and Ashley have almost like that Kendall Jenner brand of resenting their fame, but like Kendall's, Kendall's still stuck in it because she doesn't have the residuals from Brother for Sale and what's another song? Two buffalo, one buffalo. Ah, I love it. Give it a try. Um, They also said, we're gonna have a party. Yeah, yeah. So nope, that is from my fifth grade play about the Revolutionary War called the Boston Tea Party. We're going to drop some tea in the bottom of the sea. I'm getting my jingles confused. Well, we know they had like to grandmother's house. We go. I know I've talked at length about, you know, Holiday in the Sun, Passport to Paris, Billboard, Dad, etc. But those original movies, I mean, with the singing were top notch. Oh, I was thinking of, I am the cute one. It's obvious. And that particular song, even as a kid, I remember they were wearing like blossom hats with like a turned up fisherman's cap with a flower on the front, just like. Maya Bialik and her Blossom days before she made sure we all knew she was a neuroscientist and a highly politicized celebrity that was on the Big Bang Theory uh, was telling us, you know, what we should all think and like. I'm sorry to any of you that like the Big Bang Theory. I just really don't. I really don't. I guess, uh, I don't know who the rest of Mount Rushmore, I'm forgetting. I went through a lot of them, but... Point being, you know, I'm glad to see most of them are still relevant. They were also important to my youth and really just shows Amanda Bynes got the short end of the stick because Ask Amanda, that's me, was iconic and important and I loved all that and she got to take her career places Lori Beth Denberg couldn't and I actually think Vital Information is a lot funnier as an adult but as a kid I did not understand like sarcasm, irony or whatever the hell her brand of humor was. I appreciate it now Um, and unfortunately due to like the creeps and pedophiles and weirdos at her network that didn't get fired until 2018 that probably destroyed her self-image and sense of security for life she had a mental breakdown and we all watched like it was a spectacle without realizing there was something much more deep and serious going on that she has every right to have to process in her own way as an adult and i only want great things for her oh well i i am hopeful what else did nt talk about on his podcast i mean i i it's hard for me to remember what I've told you and what I've talked about in Patreon and what I talk about on Instagram, and I don't want to be a broken record, but I mean, he was, they talked a lot about um, 
fake relationships for franchises and that they actually think the Riverdale couple's real, um, but that Leah, Michelle, and Corey Monteith were not. And that's why it's so weird when, you know, people are talking about um, when she's, like, mourning the loss of him. But at the same time, like, fake or not, they were really close friends and co-stars, so I think she has the right to mourn his loss. But that might, you know, shed more light on why, you know, she was not with him and probably had no idea the extent of his drug problem if they weren't actually spending that much intimate time together. Um, Because I would imagine that was, like, I I mean, just unimaginable Um, at the time, especially because they were still, like, you know, filming and in the thick of it. And it's, I I don't know. All of these overdoses, I'm just like, are they, I, I assume they're accidents. And how scary. It's like, is there not like a breathalyzer for heroin? And I'm not being funny. Like, and I know your tolerance raises and raises and you keep needing more and more to feel the same way. But it's 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 truly alarming. And it's especially I mean, it's alarming, period. But in the event it's an accident or there's an incorrect cocktail of drugs, it's like, gosh, can't we do something for people that are still in the thick of their addiction just to make sure they don't make a grave error before they're able to get recovery? I don't know, guys. Mac Miller is so sad. And shame on every disgusting human who is blaming Ariana Grande. The poor girl has absolutely nothing to do with it. She cannot control him. She broke up with him because he was an addict. People need to help themselves. And what an awful message it sends to other women that we're responsible for the behavior of others and that we should stay in a toxic situation so they don't harm themselves. Sometimes the toxic situation is you staying and you enabling. Uh, there's nothing she could have done differently. And I just hate some days like that. I just hate the internet and cannot even believe what I'm reading. Um, she's just, I mean, in between like with the Manchester situation and like, I, I, I just, she's gone through a lot and She's just so under a microscope, and I know even I've speculated about the Pete thing, but they actually do seem so in love, and I still hold true that I think something's weird about the timeline. But um, Matt got, he got a DUI two weeks after they announced their engagement, like, and she made a comment about that. Like, there was a level of volatility there that she's just not responsible for, and while I, he is a major loss to the music community, and it's so incredibly sad... I just kind of wish she'd be allowed to mourn and be left out of it, you know? But I know that's not reality. What was I talking Oh, Corey. Um, yeah, and he's just talking about, like, obviously, Kristen Stewart and Rob Pattinson. That wasn't real. But then it's interesting because with Hunger Games, they didn't make J-Law date. What's his name? PETA. Every time I think of PETA, I think of PETA Murgatroyd. I'm Dancing with the Stars. Carrie Ann Arbor. <laughs> Her last name sounds like Ann Arbor. Um, and also she fumbled a lot at the Miss America pageant, but was okay. I watched the the first part. I don't know. I, I'm not into pageants. And after watching that John Oliver reveal about it really not being close to the biggest scholarship fund for women, like they tout. And by the time all the overhead and nuance and flattering denominators are taken out, it's like pennies that they give to women. Um, but uh, I didn't see the end. I don't really know who won. But I, I, I just love the intros. I love how some people take it as their opportunity to get on a political platform. And some people just really, you know, no pun intended, double down on from the state that brought you fried chicken, Miss Kentucky. Kentucky Fried Chicken had that famous sandwich called the double down. But um, <laughs> uh, 
then Miss Michigan from Ann Arbor was like, from the state that has 98% of the nation's fresh water but none to drink for their residents, I'm Miss Michigan. And to her credit, she knew that, I mean, the Flint crisis was a disaster and uh, if caused near and dear to her heart. I mean, if I was from Flint, my God, I would take that opportunity. So, you know, she knew she wasn't going to make top 15, but she had her moment. And she was on Daily Mail higher ranked than any of the winners because or runner up because I didn't see that. I just saw uh, her right below the late breaking news of Chris Pratt and Catherine Schwarzenegger at the park. The other thing I learned from Enti's podcast is that he said that the hands-down nicest, consistent, everyone he talks to and directly to him, celebrity has ever met is Emma Stone, which I really appreciate. I believe that. She does seem um, delightful and, like, she's serious about acting but doesn't feel like she has to tell you that and that she also um, is able to maintain the levity of the situation. She gets that celebrity is equal parts ridiculous but important to some people in a way that doesn't trivialize it like Jennifer Lawrence does, which is really frustrating because it makes her seem ungrateful, even though she's trying to skew more relatable. But there's, you know, a line that needs to be towed. He said Emma Stone and Jane Lynch, which is so funny because if you recall, it's like one of the few celebrities I have met who was so nice, who took a picture and who laughed when I said that uh, another Cinderella story was her finest work. So, you know, I felt like, wow, inside baseball, I know what's going on. So that, the Ashley Simpson, the dollar amount she was paid for her picks, just to put that 500k in context, the TMZ paid whoever for the photo of Rihanna post the Chris Brown altercation, which like, like such garbage that they even paid for that anyway. They only paid 75 grand for that. That was like the, I mean, that was like the most horrible, biggest news imaginable at that time. And for Ashley Simpson and Pete Wentz to get a half million, I mean, gosh, wild. Like that's Angie and Brad twins money. It's, isn't it, it's just so funny to me that some people are so rich, they value their privacy more than a half million dollars. I mean, I don't know. Put the pictures out, have them professionally taken, control the narrative, pay for your kid's college. Pay for Shiloh's Birkin collection. Uh, who the hell cares? Just take the money and run. It, it, it is not forever, I think, is, is what most people have found. And if you're not in the private sector and you're in, you're a celebrity with an acting or singing career or whatever, I mean, stars do fade. And I think I've told you, I think Angie's having financial trouble. And I think that's why she's going after Brad for more child support. I think she's, she was such a high-ticket actress at a time in like, you know, the Maleficent era. But a few bombed movies and sinking all of her dollars into her own productions that also haven't had huge box office or critical or award show success. And that on top of with owning multiple properties, traveling all over the world with seven kids, owning Miraval Rosé. I, I just imagine it adds up on a solo salary. You kind of need two stars for that. And... Who who knows the deal of their arrangement, but for a while, Brad was rumored to be dating that beautiful, um, smart MIT architecture professor, right? People kind of stopped talking about her. I was really hoping she'd be the next Amal. Like, I am all for any time we can have smart, accomplished celebrities who happen to find love with somebody in showbiz. I think that is charming. Pretty excited for Megan and Harry's uh, New Zealand, Australia, Fiji tour. 
Can't wait to see what she wears. Just gets better over time. I hope she is well. Her family's been quiet lately. There's a photo for dad getting like his beard done and him in a Subway sandwich shop in Mexico the last couple days, which apparently anytime that happens, the paparazzi are called. And I'm like, dude, why you got to go to a Subway? The worst part is he probably was like, e- eat fresh. Five dollar foot long. Like I can lose weight this way. I'm going to look like I'm really putting a, my best foot forward in life. And like, you're just not. I don't know whether to feel sorry for him, whether he's kind of losing it a little bit or to really just be very frustrated that he is making her experience in this kind of tremendous transition all the more difficult because it's easiest for all for us all to not feel bad for her because she has access to every resource in the world. But I think that we'd be remiss to not acknowledge the human component of undergoing a tremendous change having a huge microscope on you, of having a new-ish relationship you're still trying to navigate, and a world who admires you despite within the family that is so admired, you are somewhat of a commoner. So even though everyone else thinks you're so great, you don't interact with the people that think you're great. Inside, you're the least important one, and probably the most criticized one, and the one that has to learn all the rules, and the one that, if they don't cross their ankles properly, it's a headline. I mean, I, I just think it's... It doesn't look as great as it seems. And it's kind of like why they say Instagram followers are like monopoly money or I don't know. It's like the idea of a lot of people knowing who you are, like seems cool. But I can see it being so isolating, too, because the people that think you're cool, you never interact with. They do it from afar. So how is that even remotely satisfying? And, you know, now that I've been recognized, I'm just kidding. But like, even I, I don't know, like I have such great dialogue with so many of my followers that I love pop culture too, or listen to the podcast on Instagram, um, that, you know, when I'm DMing with people and stuff, like it is kind of weird when you're like having a bad night or you're like by yourself or you feel really lonely and you're like interacting with all these people on the internet. You're kind of like, what is life? It's, it's a little bit weird, but it also is, I think mine is fulfilling because I don't have like a, a, my admirers. I feel being like, Hey, we need your input on this polar bear situation. It is named Amelia Gray. Do you think it is after Lisa Rinna's daughter? And I'm like, thank you for alerting me to this. And I'm not being sarcastic. I, 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 somebody, I had three people actually yesterday alert me to that Leah and Brandon Jenner broke up. Very sad. I always thought she was just a, a real angelic vibe, a real sweet girl. And I really enjoyed those two seasons when they pretended to be close with the Kardashians so they could get publicity for their album where that theme song of Courtney and Kim Take New York was on. I liked that song called Showstopper. I was like, humana, humana, humana. <laughs> I'm not going to sing it. Uh, I'll, maybe I'll play it at the end of this episode because I like that song. And this isn't like a real episode. This isn't a think piece. So probably the more vapid song I leave off with, the better. Um, but anyway, guys, it's been 45 minutes. I'm embarrassed that it's even this long. I don't even know what this is about, but I hope it was a welcome distraction. If any of you guys are stressed about, you know, the weather, your life, work, the change of the weather the new moon back to school there's just a lot going on you know and uh instead of you know putting off putting out my next step of how i built this which i want to be like in the zone and focused for instead of just like not doing a podcast this week i figured i'd do like a half episode and i I take the job the opportunity of being a crooner of your daily commute very seriously and uh (laughs) i um appreciate you being here and i'm sorry again that i don't have the second part of my episode out yet but i still also don't have permission 
to talk through the what I want to talk about. So any day now, any day now. All right, guys, I hope you have a great week. If I can get it done, if the hurricane goes away and fizzles into air like I am trying to do the secret, then I'll hopefully get the other episode out this week. Otherwise, I'll put it out next. And uh, as always, look for our Facebook group in the show notes where, you know, we gossip here and there. We're not as intense as some of those other podcast groups. I go on like once or twice a day. I try not to overpost unless it's like a really big news day. And, you know, it it feels like a safe space. Um, It's during the Facebook group. If you want access to bonus episodes, go to patreon.com slash be there in five. P-A-T-R-E-O-N means the world. A dollar makes me feel like I'm not crazy. And um, until I figure out my advertising model, which I cannot wait to do. And I want to advertise all of your businesses. And um, I'm very excited about it. And again, if anybody is interested in doing that, email Kate, K-A-T-E at be there in five.com. B-E-T-H-E-R-E-I-N-F-I-V-E dot com or DM me. Tell me about your business, your handmade business, your Etsy shop, your your Shopify, your, any e-commerce, any brick and mortar, anything ever that you want to advertise your blog. I don't care. I, I really am trying to make it work that I could have an advertising model where I'm supporting listener businesses. If not, whatever. I, at least I tried. But if I can, I would love to talk about what you're doing because I even think that in through walking through how I built this, maybe you guys have a better idea of what I've done. And you kind of see how it's relevant. And hopefully that some of my audience will um, be receptive to and become part of your audience because we're all like-minded folks around these parts. So what else? What else are the things I have to say? Um, Subscribe, rate, and review, of course. I'm like four reviews away from 200. It would mean a lot to me. If you wouldn't mind, if you like what you hear, if you don't like what you hear, um, maybe just like email me directly and we'll sort it out. Um, and uh, yeah, I guess that's it. You know, as I was sitting here, I just realized I didn't want to play Leanne branded song Showstopper, but that I like another song called Showstopper way better by Danity Kane. And I think you will too. It's a great throwback. It's kind of funny. Aubrey O'Day like made her way into our news cycle this year. Um, and, you know, Vernon and Leah, all they really did was indeed stop the show, but not in a way that's like, look at me, I'm a star. But it was like, get the, get the Jenners off this show. They, this is not believable, and they are not in Greece together, legitimately enjoying each other's company. And Brody is creepily attracted to Kim and really mean to Chris. And I just, I like the sister dynamic, and I just, the, the literal stopping of my show being interesting was not the show stopping I was in the market for. But being in the car, riding slow, Doing things that the girls don't do. Are those the words? I don't know. See for yourself. I forget. <laughs> That's more my vibe. So with that, enjoy uh, the, the, the smooth sounds of the winners of the short-lived TV program. Pop stars. Wait, no, it wasn't. Whoa, whoa, whoa wait. No, they were making the band. Danity Kane is making the band. Eden's crush <laughs> is pop stars. And they sing that song that's... um. Uh, get over yourself, goodbye. Da, da. Um, again, I can't. I, I don't. I don't have the mixing capability nor the discography to implant these songs that I refer to all the time in the podcast. Uh, but I also can't sing, and it's so humiliating. Um, so I apologize for that. But I, oh, also, I have a Spotify playlist that I update semi regularly of all the intro, outro, and songs heavily mentioned in the podcast. That's also you'll find the link in the Facebook group, I believe. 
Anywho, oh, and also, if you tried to join the Facebook group but didn't answer the question about what you like about the podcast or what you remember about the podcast, I'm not going to let you in, and I'm not trying to be rude. I'm just trying to keep it a safe space, insular space, for people not to take things out of context and, uh, you know, to have my near and dear focus group of people that actually care. I don't want it to get diluted with nonsense like all the other groups do. Okay, I've officially been trying to leave for 20 minutes. Enjoy the smooth sounds of making the band three or four or something's winners. Danity game. <laughs> and as always, let me know your thoughts and I'll let you know mine. I'll be there in five. I swear. This bad boy. Let's go. Show stopping at the letter. The red shining with the open. 